You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah 51. You know, as we grow as Christians, when I first got saved, I had been brought up in a religious atmosphere. My mother always made sure that we went to church. Uh, we went to Sunday school and, you know, as things happen, I uh, drifted away from that. And over a period of time, it took a miracle from God to bring me back to Christ, to come to know Him as my Lord and Savior. Very often when we saved out of a religious situation, we got a lot of baggage, whether we either we came up through a religious avenue and we got a lot of concepts and thoughts that are given to us by different opinions, different types of religions. Maybe you were saved out of another religion and you were saved into the kingdom of God. Then obviously this whole bunch of things you learned under that. Maybe even if uh, someone's parents were atheists and you were raised without a concept of God and the first time you knew about Jesus was when someone introduced him to you. I don't know what your background is, but I do know this. You came with baggage. Every one of us came with baggage. We came with old mindsets, old thoughts. And then we were introduced to this loving father, this God who gave his life so we could have life. And now we're serving him. And then we discover that not only did he save us to get to heaven, He's got all these other wonderful things of his kingdom that he wants to introduce us to so that we can live in his kingdom just the way he designed for us to enjoy it. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have life abundantly. And that life that he used there, that word, is the same life as God has it, Zoe, that, that, that powerful life of God. God wants you to enjoy that love, that life. Amen. And so very often when, he, when things happen in our lives and all of a sudden we're attacked because that's what the enemy does. When the word is stolen, uh, when the word is sown, Satan comes immediately to steal that word. How does he steal it? Through tribulation, persecution, all kinds of problems to bring offense, to try and shut down that word. Then what happens is when we're not aware of it, we're not prepared for it, we're not uh, skilled in our warfare as we young Christians, it can be get to a point where you land up begging God. And it's like I know for myself, there were times when I was taught the word, I knew what it said, pastor gave so many different examples in his life and I started applying it, but it looked like it wasn't working the way he made it sound so easy. I mean, how do you ever know what I'm talking about? And so all of a sudden, you get to the place where, God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something? God, please help me, God. How have you ever been in that place where, you know, you, you're wondering, is there? And it can get to a place where you even wonder, is there even a God? And family of God, I want us to understand that we were not the ones who made up God. We weren't the ones that decided to go serve God. God says no one comes to him unless he draws them. The very fact that you were drawn because he called out to you. When we were down and out, we didn't even know how to hear his voice. 
We didn't even know who God was. It wasn't like we woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to go and try to find God. No, God was never lost. We were the lost ones. God got a hold of us. And I want us to see from the Word of God where God stands on this issue. Who is God? How does He see Himself? And if we can understand His heart and His attitude, I really believe that by the end of what you're hearing today, it's going to transform your outlook on who your God really is. Yeah, he says in Isaiah chapter 51, this is what we began looking at at Come Celebrate when we're talking about restoring waste places. And we read the scripture, verse one, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. I called him and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Now we know Zion is a prophetic image of the church. You and I are that church today. When you see Zion in scripture, you can always plant yourself in there and say, that's God talking about me as the church. Now notice what he says here, that he will comfort Zion. He's going to comfort you. He'll comfort your waste places. He'll make your wilderness like Eden. God wants to restore us just like the garden of the Lord, the way Adam was living on the earth. That's without the curse. Even though the curse may still be here, God has blessed you so that that blessing overrides the curse and everything it has to offer. Now notice he says here that we need to look to Abraham as our example. He says, you remember the rock from which you were here. In other words, you're a chip off the old block. Have you heard that statement? You are of your offspring. You are of your family tree. Now, I know things happen in our natural family tree, and sometimes a curse can come down through a bloodline. But praise God, you were crucified with Christ. And when you were raised, that curse was cut off. You've been made a blessing. Notice he says, yeah, verse 2, he says, I called him alone and blessed him. I increased him. If you read that from the Amplified Bible, it says, I called him, but he, when he was but one, and I blessed him and made him many. See, that was God's idea. Abraham didn't wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to go look for the blessing. No, God came to Abraham. When his whole family were a bunch of sun worshippers, they worshipped sun and moon and all kinds of other gods, but God chose Abraham because he was a faithful man that would teach his children, and he revealed himself as El Shaddai, the God that will protect and look after and nurture and provide for you. And Abraham believed. The Bible says because he believed, it was counted as righteousness. Read it from the New Living Translation. It says, Abraham was one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a great nation. Hallelujah. You may feel like you're alone. 
You may feel like you're all lost and no one sees you, but God chose you. God called you. How many of you know that, I don't know about your life, but when God got a hold of me, I was, if, if my life carried on the trajectory it was, I don't even want to think about where I would be today. How many of you say amen to that? Thank God he stepped in at that moment and saved me. And you may feel like you're totally alone, but here's the thing. Once God's got a hold of you, He chose you. He picked you out. He called you in. When you're at your lowest, at when you're at your least, when you're at your most hurt, most damaged, most <laughs> poor, most whatever it was, you will never be that person again. Bump your name and say, today's the poorest day of the rest of my life. You believe that? How many you believe that? Now he says, yeah, look to Abraham. Galatians 3 verse 7. Therefore, know that those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Anybody here of faith? Lift your hand. Bump your name and say, look at that. That's me right there in the book. You're a son of Abraham. Galatians 3 verse 8. The scripture foreseen. That God would justify the Gentiles. Now what's a Gentile? A Gentile is somebody without covenant. Somebody outside of the covenant of God. You and I were outside the covenant of God. And God foreseeing that, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. See, God decided to do that. God wants to bless this world. I said, God wants to bless this world. But you notice that when God does anything, He does it through a human. You would not know the gospel if it was not for a human voice saying it to you. God called you, but He did it through a person. Anything you've ever received from God came through the hand of a man or woman. I mean mankind. You understand what I'm saying? Anything you've ever received from God came through a person. God uses his body to communicate into this earth. And he says here that he wants to bless the world. Notice he says, in you, in you. I'm going to bless this world, but I have to have somebody to bless through. And I picked you. Oh, just excuse me. I'm preaching to myself right now. If you, if you want to get excited, you go ahead and do it. But this is good, man. I, I, those that don't understand, that's the Spirit of God in and through me. I'm not, Alan Bag has no credit whatsoever. But I'm going to get this message and listen to it again. Get a hold of that. God wants to bless this world. He only does it through people. And He chose you. So then, verse 9. Those who are of faith. See, only three people have been here long enough to remember. Let me see. How many of you say? Those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. 
The fact that Abram believed, God said, I can do it now. I want to do it, but because you believed, I can do it. Now, those who are faith, if you believe with Abraham, he can do it through you. Look at verse 29. If you are Christ's, everyone who's Christ, lift up your hand, bump your name and say, all over. Look at that. That's me again and again. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you're an heir according to the promise. Say, I am an heir. What's an heir do? Inherits. Keep that in mind. Keep that inherit in mind. All right. Now, let's look at Abraham. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, notice Abraham. That just means father. Papa. Abraham. Father. When he was 99 years old, he still hadn't had a baby. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you. I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, this is God speaking. This is my opinion. This is God's mind. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. Abraham, I spoke to you years ago. Nothing's happened yet, but I need to know I'm not moving on. I've chosen you. God came back. This has to happen. And I, you shall be a father of many nations. No longer will your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. What's Abraham mean? Father of many nations. I need you to start seeing what I see you as. I need you to start saying what you are, even though you don't see it around you yet. I called you father of many nations. I need you to start calling you father of many nations. And I need others to start calling you father of many nations. So I'm changing your name. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. Kings will come from you. Kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. Who's that? He's talking about you here. After you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. Now listen to this statement. To be God to you and your descendants after you. God says, I have chosen to be God to you. I want you to listen to the wording. God says, I have chosen to be God to you. Not just be your God. I am God to you. 
And notice he says here, not just to him, but to all his descendants. Who is that? Lift your hands. Say, God says he wants to be God to me. Now you will hear this terminology all the way through the Bible. Listen to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Now listen to verse 7. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. I will take you as my people. I'm choosing you, Israel. I'm not letting you go. I chose you and you may be in bondage and it's your own fault you got there. But I'm still going to deliver you. I'm your God. You are my people. Then you shall know I am the Lord your God. Who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I'll give it to you as a heritage. Your inheritance. I am the Lord. Family, notice this. God is saying, you're in bondage, but I need to prove to you I'm God. I said I will be God to you. Now, I want you to believe that so I can do what I need to do to get you out of this bondage so that I can be your God. Look at Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30. Now, verse 18 from the New Living Translation. This is what the Lord says. When I bring Israel home again. <laughs> you know how many times he had to do that. Get into captivity, and then someone cries out, and he turns back to them. When I bring you Israel home again from captivity and restore their fortunes. Everybody say restore. restore. Jerusalem will be rebuilt on its ruins. Everybody say rebuilt. And the palace reconstructed as before. Everybody say reconstructed. Now look at verse 22. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is people kicking God in the knees. Every time he tries to do something, they reject him. They do something else. They turn to foreign gods. And then somebody cries out. He comes back. Okay, let's do this again. I will deliver you. I'm your God. You are my people. Look at Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 38. They shall be my people, and, they, and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. I'll make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good. God says, I can't help myself. I can't stop being good to you. He says, I won't turn away from it. I'll put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from 
me. He's saying, you're the ones that keep walking away. But I'm your God. And you're my people. I'm going to put a new heart in you. And when that new heart is in you, you're not going to walk away. Oh, come on. You're getting all of this. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh. I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. Didn't Jesus say to the disciples, you have the spirit with you, but he will be in you. When I go, I will send him. This is talking about you. Say, this is me. I'll put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. You'll keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I'll be your God. This is God. When I studied this, I realized this is one of his favorite statements. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. I will call for the grain and multiply it. I will not bring famine on you. I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields. So you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Are you hearing the heart of your father? Look at chapter uh, 36, the same chapter. Now go back to verse 22. He says, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake. We keep asking God to bless us. God, please help me. God, please save me. God, please heal me. It's for me, for me, for me. And he says, you think you're calling for yourself. I don't even do it for you. I do it for my own sake. It's what I do. I, don't, can't, I can't be God without doing it. Well, then how come I haven't seen it? That's what we're trying to get across here. What are we doing to stop it from happening? He says, if you call, I'll answer you. I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my own namesake. Why, Father? Because you profaned my name among the nations wherever you went. You made me look bad. You kept saying, I'm doing something to hurt you. Why are you letting this happen to me? God's trying to teach you a lesson through this. Maybe, God's, maybe this is for God's bigger purpose. He says, you profane my name. You keep making it look like I'm the bad one. Verse 23, I will sanctify my great name. It's been profaned among the nations, which you profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. God saying, I want this world to know I am God. Not who you said I am, but who I prove I am. Look at Isaiah 48 verse 9. For my name's sake, I will defer my anger. For my praise, 
I will restrain from you so that I do not cut you off. What's God saying? You should have been blasted long ago. But I have my name to keep up. So I'm going to work with you again. I'm going to help you again. Verse 10. Behold, I've refined you. Not as silver. I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. Listen to this. For my own sake. For my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? I will not give my glory to another. Family, you wonder why God keeps allowing us to get to a place where nobody but Him can deliver us. Come on. God could make life so easy where it just looks normal and everything always works out. Everything's fine. But then we start thinking, no, that's because we're doing so well. And God says, I'll not give my glory to another. If you do something and you can somehow take credit for it, then how will the world know I am God? So what happens is we do things that get us over into a place where we know it was our own cause. We, it's like someone once said, you know, the devil got me into debt. Really? The devil's not the one stealing your finances. As I said before, get all your signatures out on the credit cards and, you know, whatever you sign. And let's see what the devil's signature looks like. Because that was, <laughs> how many understand that? That's, I'm not calling you the devil. I'm saying, whose fault is it that I got into my mess? Things happen. I said things, we do things. But God says, I will when you call out, I want you in a place so that when you're delivered, you will know I am God. You will know I am God. The only reason Janine and I have children today, we can, with our hands lifted high, say we had nothing to do with it because we did everything we knew to do and none of it worked for years until we made a decision standing on the Word of God, believing Him, trusting Him, and He brought it through again and again and again. His name was glorified. God said, I will bless you with children. We didn't decide on that. He said it. And when we trusted him, he showed up, showed out, and we got our children. Now the world gets to hear about it. Notice, for my own sake, look at Isaiah 43. Verse 25, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions so that you can go to heaven. No, he blots out your transgressions. God wipes your sin out that it doesn't look like it even existed. For what reason? For my own sake, I will not remember your sins. God doesn't even want to think about you having sinned. So the moment you're receiving Him as Lord and Savior, He wipes your sin away and erases it, and He never thinks about you as a sinner ever again. That's why when we say, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, God looks at you and says, what? I don't remember you as a sinner. 
You're not a sinner. You're a son of God, saved by grace. Verse 26, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. What's God saying? Now, you know God doesn't have a forgetful mind. He chooses not to remember your sin. He knows what he said in his word, but he needs to hear it from you. Put me in remembrance. You find a promise. Bring it up. Bring it into my courtroom. And I want you to know I am your God. You my people. And I will show you I am God. Hosea chapter 2, verse 23. Then I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. This, did you, that's another, I mean, where we've been now. That's been in Jeremiah, Exodus, Ezekiel, Isaiah, now Hosea. I am your people. I am your God. You are my people. Look at Zechariah, chapter 13. We're doing a lot of bouncing around in the Bible today. But I want you to see a common language of God here. Amen. When I say common, I mean regular, not as anti-elite. You understand? This is a regular statement. Zechariah 13, verse 8. It shall come to pass in the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die. One-third shall be left in it. Now, I don't have time to teach on that prophetic language. I want to get to the statement. Verse 9. I will bring the one-third through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined. Test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name. I will answer them. And I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, this, the Lord is my God. God says, when I've refined you, when you've been through the stress and you've been through the trouble and you haven't given up, you've kept your eyes on me. It's refined you. It's focused you. It's given you what you've called on. The promises have manifested. Then what will happen? You will say, you my God. And I will say, you my people. God says, this is my people. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Everybody say, new covenant. How many you know those days are here now? I will make a new covenant, not according to the covenant that I made with your fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds and I will write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Lift your hand and say, God has written his word on my heart. When I keep my mind on him, I know exactly what to do. He is my God. 
I am his people. Is that good news? Now that's a lot of places. What about the New Testament? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Family, watch out who you're going to partnership with. Make sure it's a believer. You want your business to be a tithing business. You don't want to argue with your partner every month. Come on. You want someone with the same vision. Young people, before you get married, take this into mind. We've had young people say, oh, we ask, is, your, is the, your boyfriend or girlfriend, are they believers? No, we'll marry them and then we believe God will save them. No, no, that's a, that's a huge mistake. If they don't want to come to your church, why would you want to marry them? Yeah, but I love him. Keep reading. What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Wow! How many you believe you're Christ's? Why? Because you're born again. So if you're not born again, you're of the devil. Marry an unbeliever, and you've got your dead father-in-law. The devil. In bed with you. You don't want to make that mistake. Say amen. I know I may be standing on some toes. We can always pray for that healing later. You need to hear now. Unless your boyfriend or girlfriend is serving Lord, you, you stay away. You want any of this? You don't even come within social distancing. Until you're born again, saved, and coming to the same church I go to. We're not changing churches. Why? Because Christ first. Then my partner. Whether it's a spouse, make sure they're serving the Lord. And then give it time. So you know this is not an arranged marriage. We'll marry till we get the visa and then, you know, no, none of that nonsense. I need to see fruit, 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 fruit. And then we serve the Lord together. Then we can get together. Then we join. Amen. That was for someone today. But that's true in every other partnership. Before you sign deals, make sure that the person's in agreement with your love for the Lord and your desire to serve His kingdom. What part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. 
Did you hear the gear change? All the way through the old covenant says, I'll be your God. You will be my people. Now he says, I'll be your God. You by my people. But for you, I'm your father. And you're my son and daughter. Come on, give him praise if you get a hold of this. Now we've gone all the way from Exodus. And we end in Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. And the word God said to me, Jesus, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And I'll give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. Give your Jesus praise today if you get that. Come on, give him glory. Let's stand on our feet. Let's give our God praise. Come on, give him glory. Say, he is my God. I am his son. Notice, you'll inherit all things. That's you and me, family. You've inherited how much? What's all mean? Why? That's what all means. You never have to beg him for anything ever again. Just say, thank you, Daddy. I will be your God. You will be my people. He's your God. He's your father. You're his son and daughter. Say, I've heard the word of God. It's brought faith to my heart. I am a believer, not a doubter. As a hearer of the word, I'm also a doer. And I declare with my heart, God is my God. He chose me for his own sake. He wants to demonstrate His glory through me. Father, I believe that. You called me. You are my God. I am your people. You are my God. I am your son and daughter. You are my Father. I am your son. You believe that? Give Him praise. Amen.